0: Did the exodus from Egypt really happen? Is there proof of the Israelites going to Mount Sinai, God's mountain? And does that proof mean anything to us as Christians in our beliefs? Well, here to answer our questions is Tim Mahoney, who's done relentless research into these questions and more concerning the exodus and Mount Sinai and why it's important to us. Tim released the first half of a film called Journey to Mount Sinai, most of you have probably seen it, in the fall this last year, where he looked at three of the six candidates for Mount Sinai and used a scorecard to help people determine, based upon biblical and archaeological patterns, whether those fit what the Bible talked about as being Mount Sinai and the likely location of the real Mount Sinai. Now in his second part, which comes out in May 15th and 17th in theaters. The last three candidates are going to be reviewed, and I can tell you it comes to a fantastic conclusion. Tim is the founder of Thinking Man Films and Media. Tim, welcome again to In Awe by Bruce. We're glad to have you and can't wait to hear what you have to say.
1: Well, Bruce, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, this is excellent. Uh, Seeing the first half and and looking at what you came up with. And I love the fact that you give us a card that we can keep track of who we think fits best. So tell us a little bit, just uh, if anybody didn't see the first one that's listening, tell us a little bit about that and what your whole goal was through this thing, how you even got into this.
1: Uh, A pattern of evidence is a scientific approach. And so What we have done over the last uh, number of years is we've used the scientific approach to look for patterns of biblical events in history. And as you mentioned, the first film I started in 2002 that was looking for the pattern for the Exodus. And then we went on for the pattern of the Moses Controversy for writing. And then now we started this journey to the mountain. And it's actually taken me four feature films looking through all the possibilities. Wow. When we first looked at the Red Sea crossing locations, mm-hmm. and now we've moved on to a journey to Mount Sinai. And I did create a tool. If people are interested in it, it's called the Mount Sinai Scorecard, and that's what you're referring to. Yes. And the first film, we looked at three mountains. The traditional Mount Sinai, which is in the Sinai Peninsula, another mountain that's not far from it, just north of it, where there's some mining. And some people are seeing inscriptions there, and they think that those inscriptions are related to Moses, and that they are explaining details about the Exodus. That's called Jebel Sinia. And then there's another mountain in the northeast part of the Sinai called Hashem El Tarif, which is a mountain that uh, Dr. Bryant Wood from Associates for Biblical Research believes is a good candidate because of some crossing roads there that he sees connected, and it's considered a holy site. So those first three were in the first film. But I got good news. You don't necessarily have to see the first film at all to see the second film, because they're really standalone films. Okay. They're complete investigations. But obviously, if people love this type of work, you're going to want to see both of them. Mm-hmm. And The next film, which is coming out May 15th and 17th, as you said, is, is a Fathom event. It'll be seen nationwide. And it's going to be looking at three other mountains now. Two of them are in Saudi Arabia. And this has been an area that... Has been off limits really Uh, archaeologists have not been able to go there it hasn't been until just recently that now they've opened it up and they're more open to this idea that this could be the real Mount Sinai and they're they're embracing that my film the one that we're working on here the one that's coming out called Journey to Mount Sinai part 2 is going to tell the backstory the whole history and we're gonna look at how these mountains were discovered who found them, what pattern that they have uncovered that they mm-hmm. think. And in this particular case, this pattern looks for the journey to the mountain. What campsites and wildernesses are there between, you know, where they left and where this mountain is? Can, can you build a case for that? Well, you know, what kind of travel speed would you go? And Bruce, how far do you think someone in ancient times could travel in one day?
0: just thinking of me and what i did in boy scouts if somebody could go 20 miles a day they're doing that's a nice clip that's a good clip um if i had a bunch of people and they were had animals and things i would think more like half of that
1: mhm so 10 to 20, 20 miles a day. day and part of the reason you're correct Those are pretty good numbers. I think the average caravan went about 20 miles a day, Uh but they were on a a path, right? Right. They weren't going over rocks and boulders and up hills or whatever. They were trying to go on a path. And why 20 miles a day is that that was usually also between watering holes. Mm -hmm. You had to get to the next place if you wanted something to drink. You know, certain deserts where there was no water, the Bible tells us that there was no water several times. So then you'd really have to you'd have to carry your water or have something bringing water along as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the question of where is Midian? Uh, because the Bible tells us that Moses fled to the land of Midian. It's ancient now, but, uh, and his father-in-law, there he goes to this well, and guess what? It's a watering hole, right? Yeah. He goes there, there's a bit of a, an altercation, and the daughter of Jethro... These daughters talk about Moses being at this well, and that's when Moses then becomes a part, eventually marrying the daughter of Jethro, Zipporah is her name, and he settles there for 40 years. And during that time, he goes to the back side of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He takes his sheep. You know, we can read that. Well, you've seen the movie. This isn't yes. too big of a spoiler alert, but what did you learn about why someone would go to a backside of a wilderness?
0: Uh, probably for grazing grounds, water, food, those mm-hmm. type of things.
1: Yep. And so we're looking for is there something in the areas where these mountains are that would look like that, or that you could understand it to be the backside? Yeah. So so that's how uh, a patterns of evidence film is built. It's built on well, there's something I call dramatic logic. Mm-hmm. You're building the drama because you're understanding the narrative of what is happening, and then you're trying to understand is there anything logical. That matches this. And then we look for attributes. If you're at a mountain, the yeah. Bible says that the Israelites camp there. So there'd have to be a plane large enough for the Israelites to camp there. And I think we also know, Bruce, uh, that people have different varying amounts of, of how many people. So what are your thoughts on the amount of Israelites that there were?
0: When I read the Old Testament, I truly think that there's a lot of people there, I'm. I think in terms of like two million, three million people, something like that. Um, I was kind of surprised because you you bring up about the Egyptian kind of view that there are two views: the Egyptian and the Hebrew view, and that the Egyptian view has a very limited number. And I just I can't look at the the information in the Bible and agree with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what ends up happening is that people uh, start to think well. The Bible says there was like, I think it was 600,000 men. And if you go, well, if there's that many men, and they had families, and they had children, yeah. well, now you're talking about a lot of people. Yeah, And that's just the fighting men, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's where some people say, I don't think there were 600,000 men. I think there were 600 groups of men, and that there was only a few thousand. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to actually show you what these uh, areas for for the Israelites would have been, if you like solving mysteries, okay. if you like detective work, investigative work, we're going to investigate these different mountains. We're going to show you a lot of animation, a lot of special effects, recreations of the Israelites. Uh, the film is a docudrama film. Mm-hmm. It's dramatizing a lot of things that you're going to be able to see. You're going to be able to see Moses and. And Aaron and the Israelites, you're going to see you know, scenes that you've never seen before. And what's interesting about it, Bruce, is we are actually picking locations and recreating them so that they look exactly like they would have looked at the time of the Bible. <laughs> wow. Some, some, the things that people probably would never have been able to see before. The other question is water. What were your thoughts when you saw the movie about the water? Because I'm thinking that there's a lot of
0: people— to me, that means there's got to be some kind of proof that there was a lot of water. Not to give anything away, but seeing the one rock that was split <laughs> and seeing the where you could tell water used to run down places and things like that, those gave me much more of a feeling that the possibility was there for that, rather than some of the places looked a little thin on on water for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it's really a big question of what has happened in 3,000 years because of the changeover. Now, I go to Wisconsin, we're between Minnesota and Wisconsin, and when I've gone on the northern part, it's very interesting, there's some parts up there that if the trees were gone, it is a desert. It looks like a Uh, desert. I've never seen sand like that. It's just like the same kind of sand that I would see if I was in Jordan. And I realized, wow, this, and so if something loses its vegetation, it could potentially be very, very sandy, and there's there's nothing to there's nothing to retain the water. So the question is, is well, was this much wetter? And apparently, according to some historical references, some of these areas were a lot wetter. It wasn't okay. as deserty as it is today. So that's a very interesting thing to consider, as it were. There's some things that you'd have to have at a mountain because there, there was a stream. The Bible says that they were supposed to wash their clothes. Right. And, well, how do you do that, you know? Uh, is there any evidences of water flowing in the you know, in the desert where they could—and that's what we look for. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I've been able to break down these, these uh, investigations, looking at uh, the attributes and then artifacts of mm-hmm. the mountains.
0: Tim, take us into the belief side of things, because somebody might be going, okay, well, that's great, it's it's neat that you're doing this or whatever, but this came from something deep within yourself, but that's also very, I think, very important to any of us that are Christians, as far as being assured of what what God says is
1: real. Right. Well, if I start with the Red Sea Miracle, Mm -hmm. you know, all of us are at times, faced with a situation where we are trapped, and we are wondering, your listeners, we're wondering, how in the world am I going to get out of this situation? And in the narrative of what happened is that the Egyptians came after the Israelites, yeah. and they, they were camped at a sea, and they were surrounded. They were going to die. That's what they thought. In fact, they, told, they yelled at Moses, did you bring us out into a wilderness to die? You know, were there no graves in Egypt? Mocking him, and Moses thought he said he literally thought that they were going to kill him. And many times, I think in our own life, our own spiritual journey, we wonder why in the world did God bring us out into this wilderness to die? Maybe he left something and went somewhere else, to thinking it was going to be better, and it didn't turn out right. Yeah, um, Or you, you started a business, and you put all this money into it, and then the business doesn't work mm-hmm. uh, like you expected it to work. Or you're a farmer, and you've had a couple bad years, and, and you're trying to figure out, did you bring me to this farm to die, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is this my, the death of my dream? Is this whatever? You know, we all face that at times. I face that. And I think at the end of the, of the day, we have to realize that God is faithful. And God was faithful, and He was going to prove Himself, and He miraculously, you know, tells Moses, you know, stretch out your arm over this water. Yeah. And through God, a supernatural activity happened, mm-hmm. and some people say whether it was the timing of the wind or whether it was the supernatural parting of the water, you know, which mechanism was it? Right. So that's what we looked at in those first films. Something supernatural parted those waters, and the Israelites. Were, had a way of escape. And in my film that we, we we released last year called The Journey Home, my mother was a woman of faith and my father was not well. I, he had experienced it or she was dying with him at watching her at home yeah. with a little sister. And then later on, I mean, she passed away. And so he was without his mother as a young boy. And then he was abused sexually, and wow. he had a lot of anger. And then he he went off to the Korean War, and then he was in one of the f- most horrible battles called Pork Chop Hill. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah. He, he was a decorated soldier there, uh, but he carried a lot of pain. And unfortunately, pain comes out in people's lives. And he married my mother, Ethel Hanson, who became Ethel Mahoney, and, uh, and then I came along. <laughs> And uh, I was dedicated to the Lord, and uh, but my dad's life was unraveling. He became a police officer, and he had a lot of pressure, and it would come out sideways, you know, And he got to the point where uh, he was threatening to kill the family. My mother one time took his thirty eight revolver that he had in the kitchen. He had it up in the china cabinet. yeah, uh, and she got that revolver, asked her sister to come over, and she got on her knees. Empty, she didn't know how to unload the gun. She oh, thought if she could give us a head start run, she would empty the gun by firing it. So she fired it in the middle of the day in the city of Minneapolis. Wow, with, you know, six shots into the ground, and then put the gun back up in the china cabinet. Oh uh, man, she was afraid that uh, what my dad was saying that he would eventually follow through on it. Wow. Uh, so that gives you a little bit of backstory as to what what was happening in my own personal family, my life, and eventually yeah. one day we had to escape. I'm, you know, I remember praying with my mother as she called out for God to and Jesus to 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 protect us. So you wonder, well, Tim, why are these stories important to you? Yes, it's because my mother believed that they were. My grandmother believed that they were. And we counted that the God who rescued the Israelites was the same God who would rescue us huh. and as a eight nine ten eleven year old boy who spent time on my knees with my mother on us with my little siblings, all praying out to God for protection yeah uh, you know that's that's the backstory of my life, so going to Egypt in two thousand two. And when they told me, you know, hey, we can't find the evidence for any of this, I was in the beginning of a crisis of faith.
0: Yeah, yeah. Boy, and so that drove you to do all this, which we are all thankful for. Yeah. Because I look at it, Tim, as a miracle across the board, because it's a, to me it's the example of what we all gain because of Jesus' death. You know, you have the, he's the Passover lamb, we're set free by him, but we're being chased down by his enemies, and we came from a world of sin that that wants to pull us back into its world and yet, as Paul says, the Israelites were baptized into Moses when they crossed through mm-hmm. and to me, that's what that we're baptized into Christ, and the judgment waters come down on that old life that we used to have that's chasing us, trying to pull us back into it, and they, it comes down and and sends us off to a different different life with uh, the Lord, and uh, He guides us to where He wants to take us. So, you know, thank you for taking all that time, and thank you for telling us about your family. I'm I'm sorry all that happened, but I see the what has come out of it,
1: and uh, I'm just thankful that you've done what you've done with it. And I think for a lot of us, we don't always know how it's going to end up, right? Right. Uh, I mean, we're trusting God, and it, that's why it's called faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised that I've made these films. I think that I've seen supernatural provision and supernatural doors opening up m- numerous times uh, yeah. when I've done this. And uh, I think that it's easy to forget. It is. And that's the one thing that I want to be cautious of in my own life is that I'm not forgetful of the time the Lord provided time and again and time again and time again and time again. And there's one other story I'll share with you about a flashlight Sure. and uh, the need for one. And I didn't want to grow up in a broken home. I, I wanted to have someone who would be faithful. My dad wasn't faithful to my mother. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I mean, I was not stupid. I, I knew what was going on. I could see it when we we're at a restaurant or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it broke my heart and, and it broke my mom's heart. I, I remember picking up the phone one time. I picked up the phone because I thought it was a friend or a cousin, you know. I'm probably eight years old. Yeah. And uh, this woman says, Paul Mahoney is having an affair <sighs> with another woman. Yeah. And I, and I don't even know if I exactly understood what the word affair meant, but I knew enough, I think, that with another woman, I knew that wasn't good. Yeah. And my mother came up to me and said, who was it? And I said, it was a woman. And I, I, she said, what did they say? And I, I said, Paul Mahoney's having an affair with another woman. And I saw my mom, and her face just—I just saw her shoulders and everything just slumped out. Oh, boy. It was so sad, you know? Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. yes. I, I see it right now. I see it like it was just yesterday. Yeah. And you realize that, that uh, sin is—you know, the sin that my dad— was committing, it wasn't just a fun thing for him to go off and have a little side pleasure, as it were. Yeah. But, but it, it, was, it was affecting the entire family. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that we forget that, and uh, we can all be deceived very easily. And I'm t- I've never told these things before. It hasn't been until the last year that I've opened up to talking about it. Yeah. Uh, And I think that the time is now, and I've had more people say, you have no idea how much this impacted me. Because in the movie The Journey Home, I actually reconnect with my dad after many, many years, like 30 years. Really? uh, I reconnect with my father. And um, it's a very unusual film, The Journey Home but it tells the story of what happened, uh, how we made this these films, and what God was doing, and how my own life and my wife and others who have been a part of this all got involved with this. And I think there are things that each of us are called to do. And in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, it says, "For we are Christ's workmanship, and He's prepared good works for us to do before the beginning of creation." Yeah, something to that effect, and. So, if he's prepared good works for us to do, one of the things we have to do is we have to figure out what well, what does that mean what yeah. what am I supposed to do and And Bruce, my thinking is that one of the good works is to be obedient and to keep our hearts pure before the Lord. yes, I mean, some people think it's doing something for God, and i I don't discount that. I mean, I think what I'm doing with these films is that, but yeah. it's also taking care of your family, mhm you know, taking care of your relationships, taking care of your children and your grandchildren and, and not dropping the ball with them.
0: Yeah, I think you're so right. The word for craftsmanship there, I love it because it's the word poema. Mm. And even though it didn't mean poem at the time, it represents, it's an artistic work of all those things you just mentioned, God putting together to make a life that attracts other people. You're part of his artwork, which mm. is beautiful. Man. Well, Tim, thank you for telling us all about this um, and your latest film coming out as well as The Long Journey Home. So two good films from Thinking Man Media and films that, that we can get to. But just tell us again the dates that we can see the movie, where they can find information on you and about you and your ministry.
1: Right. So uh, we are a foundation now Patterns of Evidence com. We actually have it's sort of a website that allows you to both find out about the movie that's coming up, as we said, May 15th and 17th. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nationwide in theaters. That particular film, Journey to Mount Sinai Part Two, I think is a special film. It's going to be a special evening. If you have a Sunday school class, if you've got a Bible study, go to our website, look at the trailer, start spreading the word about this film, and come to it and see it, because I think there's going to be something very special. At the end of the movie, I recognize that the Israelites are there to worship God, and that's the reason why they are called. God was going to marry these people, and they're going to become his people. He's going to make a covenant with them. Mm. And what I felt that we needed to do, and I've done, this is my sixth feature. I've been in theaters many times, and this time, instead of just having people at the end of it have a panel discussion i've decided that we needed to focus on praise and worship oh, and boy. the thought came to me and i was able to work it out i brought a group of people together who were enslaved to addiction huh. and they now are free by the power of the gospel and they are they are joining me in this choir and i i got out the guitar and we're going to sing a few songs of worship we're going to close The event after you see all this biblical archaeology and everything, uh, and you hear and see the Israelites at Mount Sinai coming to God, we're going to basically close with that activity. And so I think something across the nation is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm trusting that there'll be some form of revival in people's hearts and lives, that by my own obedience to doing it, that other people will participate and in their obedience. And the reason I say this Bruce is I yeah. think that there's power in our coming and worshiping and for what we're going to be faced with in the future. We've got to learn how to do that and we I, need to do that more. I think you're right.
0: Absolutely right. God bless you for that because I I think that'll be a powerful moment. So that's something we can be praying for as well as telling people about the movie and coming to it. That's a great way to think of ending it. After this, what is next for you?
1: Well, we're going to do Three things. One of them is we're developing all the all the content that didn't get into the film. We're looking at creating a another DVD, which will be about uh, digging deeper with the Exodus Explorers. Uh huh. Then we've got uh, the Covenant and the Conquest. That's the rest of the what happened at Mount Sinai, and then the conquest into the Promised Land. We've oh. already got a lot of that in the can. Uh, we're just trying to raise the dollars to help us uh, with the editing. And another thing that's happening is that I'm working with uh, Michael Medved. We're working on a book he's written called The American Miracle. And we're going to be looking at God acting in the history of America. And so that's coming in the future, too. So those are some of the projects we're working on.
0: Pretty exciting. That's great. Thank you very much. And God bless you. We'll be praying for you. And everybody will be praying
1: for Tim in the films. But thank you very much for, for coming on. Thank you, Bruce.